Do you need a landscaping job tackled? Keen Landscaping is a family-owned and operated full-service landscaping company based in Dallas, Texas. Anything from property restoration and tree pruning or removal to landscape design, construction, and installation, Keen covers it all. They're also the official landscape company of the Dallas Stars. Learn more at KeenLandscaping.com. Again, that's K-E-A-N-E Landscaping.com. Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keen, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keen. Let's get into it. Episode 45 here, Billy. We're cooking. Um, we've got a lot to talk about this week. we got UFC 252 review. We're going to dive into Bellator 244 going down this weekend. And then the UFC's back with the card. Frankie Edgar taking on Pedro Munoz. So, Billy, let's get right into it. Um, everyone, like always, like, subscribe. We're getting great following on our YouTube videos, so we appreciate all the support. And we will keep it rolling. We'll keep this content coming every week. So, Billy, let's get into it. Stipe versus DC. The heavyweight trilogy of our era. What did you think of the fight? I thought it was fantastic, man. I thought it lived up to the billing. I thought it lived up to the hype. Um, I was on the edge of my seat that entire fight, but it was also, it was not a brawl, right? It was not, you know, a lot of times we've had a great MMA fight. It's just a brawl. It's two guys swinging for the fences, going at it. You know, this was two high-level technicians. This was high, high-level mixed martial arts from start to finish, you know, pillar to post, I thought, I thought this was a fantastic fight. What did you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is as high level of heavyweight MMA as you're ever going to see. These are two of the guys, two guys at the very, you know, top of their game, obviously older guys, but still, you know, in somewhat their prime, especially for heavyweight. Um, I thought it was phenomenal. You know, it was Really, the only thing that dampened the evening for me was the eye poke and, you know, the publicity that that would go on to get. But, you know, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. I just I just thought it was kind of part of the game and part of their story. You know, it seemed to kind of be a big storyline throughout the trilogy. And it was kind of funny that that was a big talking point in the last fight. But, yeah, I mean, as high level as you get. Two, two of the best to ever do it, and it was just – it was awesome. Edge of your seat TV, and it was awesome. So it definitely lived up to the hype, the billing, and I, I thought it was a great end to that trilogy. Um, what, what did you see that kind of both guys did well in this trilogy? Honestly, it was really surprising to me in this fight. Like I think what we talked about a lot last week was you know wanting Daniel Cormier to work the clinch – you know, work some of his dirty boxing, use that to set up the wrestling. And really, it was Stipe who was killing it in the clinch. I mean, getting double underhooks, pressing Cormier up against the fence, looked to be the stronger man in there. Um, really impressive. And then we said Stipe should kind of keep the range and pick Cormier apart with his, use his reach to his advantage. And Cormier was the faster striker for me. I mean, he was the guy who he was kind of fainting those single legs, fainting the body shots. And he was able to come with those, you know, quick, big right overhands that caught Stipe a couple of times, especially in that first round. 
I, I was really surprised with how fast Cormier was with his with his boxing. What did you think? Yeah, I, I just think um, I agree with you. I think DC the speed was really showcased here, even at you know forty plus years old. He he still shows just how that speed translates, you know, up at heavyweight. Um, but for me, again, it was just it was Stipe sticking to his game plan. I mean, I th- I think he had a game plan to come in a little lighter. You know, I, I think he probably had a feeling that this was going to go five rounds. So he prepared for a marathon with DC. And, you know, I, I think, like you said, the clinch work was beautiful. He just wore DC down and then just started to run away with the fight in the in the later rounds. So, yeah, the big thing for me with Stipe was the game plan, the stamina, and just the intelligence. I mean, he just he drained DC and started kind of picking them apart towards the, the end of the fight and ran away with that fight. So yeah, it was, it was a great fight. It was a really, really great fight. Um, yeah. And I, I just got, I got the feeling, you know, especially after Stipe dropped DC in that second round that DC was just getting frustrated because I mean, DC landed some bombs on Stipe and Stipe just kept walking through it. And I, I think it was just, frustration for DC you know I I think he wrestled in the first round and then he got away from it because I I just think he thought his best shot was to knock out Stipe and when that didn't happen there was really no plan B I I didn't see from from DC and then obviously we had the eye poke so yeah I all all around just great performance again from Stipe um you know I I think Stipe just proves that he gets better and better every fight and you saw that over this trilogy he just he took the knowledge from the previous two fights, and I think he just did a better job of putting it all together and getting it done. So, you know, and that's what to me that's what sets Stipe apart and makes him great, right? He's not he's not like a stellar boxer. He's not a stellar wrestler. He's not like super great at any one martial art. There's no defining technique to Stipe, but he is so composed. It doesn't matter who he's up against. It doesn't matter if it's a former heavyweight champ. You see him against Overeem and JDS. You see him against Francis Ngannou, absolute monster. You see him against Daniel Cormier, a guy who knocked him out in the first round, right? He just stays composed. He he treats it like another day at the office, and that's why he's able to follow through with these game plans and why he's able to kind of keep the same stamina he has in round one in round five. I just think it's so impressive to be able to do that in such high pressure situations. Yeah. And I think the weight was a factor too. You know, I think Stipe came in what, like 10 pounds lighter than the second fight. DC came in about, he looked good, right man. about the same. Stipe looked red. Yeah. He looked slim and trim. He looked like he could make 205. What? He came in at like what, 212 or 215, something like that? 230. 230. So, uh, so he's a little heavy was for it 205. Yeah. But I mean, ripped Parker. I mean, he looks shredded. slim, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Stipe looked phenomenal, and I just, I, I agree. I think he uses that to his advantage. He just looks at these guys. I mean, especially look at the top five right now. You've got Black Beast. You've got Rosenstroik. You've got Francis. I think Stipe feels like if he can survive that first round, especially in a title fight, he's just going to drain these guys over five rounds, and he's he's got the experience to know how to do that. And he sticks to the game plan. And I just think Stipe right now is its a big ask for any of those guys in the top five, not named John Jones, to beat. So, uh, yeah, great performance again by Stipe. But just 
further solidifying his greatness at heavyweight in the UFC. So, um, Billy, let's get into the eye poke. Obviously, the eye poke was a big factor in this fight, but not not just this fight, the trilogy as a whole. Um, yeah, I think DC poked Stipe in the eye in the first fight, then knocked him out. The second fight, he poked him in the eye as well, which the combination of those eventually led to that surgery Stipe had to you know, take on and kind of put his career in jeopardy. And then, you know, he pokes him in the eye again in this fight. And then Stipe kind of gets the last laugh with the eye poke here. So what did you make of the eye pokes throughout the trilogy and then in this fight in particular? I mean, it's no doubt a factor, right? Like we can't sit here and pretend like it's not. Like we can't act like it's, you know, like it doesn't matter. Um, But I I think the – the reality of it is you you have a guy who, you know, both of these guys got eye poked, right? And I think the reality is we have to look at it like if we could solve this with equipment, we should. Like you saw Chris Cyborg tweeted out. You saw um, uh, Trevor Whitman on Joe Rogan's podcast not too long ago talk about his design for a glove. I mean, we need a curved glove in MMA. You know, you have these gloves that lay flat that allow you to kind of stick your hands out like this. Like, that's not good for our sport. If we could solve this with equipment, we should. But at the end of the day, you're right. Like, it is unavoidable. It is part of the game, you know. And and I don't really know what we do about that when you have a guy in D.C. where if Mark Goddard catches that eye poke, I think we could be looking at a no contest with the fight getting stopped. And then where does the heavyweight division go from there? You'd have to run it back. I mean, I I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's but it, it's unfortunate that it it played a role in such a gigantic fight here. But especially with the way D.C. fights, we talked about it a lot. You know, he does a lot of that hand fighting and then he counters with big overhands. But I don't know. It's just it's a kind of a flaw in the design of the gloves. And, you know, it is a shame that we haven't figured out a better solution yet. But, um, yeah, if you go back on the Joe Rogan podcast, Trevor Whitman has about 30 minutes of showcasing the prototypes that he's coming up with. And he's hoping to get a stamp on from the the UFC. So, yeah, I I think something's got to change because an eye poke shouldn't be this big of a talking point in one of the most important fights of the year, but it was, and you know, it's just one of those things It it happened both ways. So it's not like, you know, Stipe, I don't, I don't see this diminishing Stipe's win at all. Um, because I mean, it went both ways throughout the trilogy, but yeah, it was a shame that it was such a big talking point. So, um, what, what do you think this win does for Stipe and how does this solidify his ranking as an all-time best heavyweight in the sport? I mean, in, in the UFC among UFC heavyweights, he is the greatest all time. There is no debate. I think so. It's not debatable. If you want to talk about him versus Fedor, here's my thing with Fedor. Fedor's all time career record is 39 and six. He started his career 30 and one. And the one is a doctor stoppage 17 seconds into his fourth professional fight because he poked the guy in the eye. Like, that's unheard of. He beat five UFC champions on that 30-1 and run. Stipe's just not there at 20-3. and It's a great record. It's super impressive. But he's just not there. And the other thing is, DC is kind of like the modern Fedor. 
And DC gave Stipe problems at 41 years old. Like, you're telling me prime Fedor does not give Stipe problems? I don't think you've watched Fedor fight, if you think that. So I think Stipe, if he beats this version of Francis and beats John Jones at heavyweight, I'll talk about it. Then it's a conversation to me. Right now, it is definitively Fedor 1, Stipe 2. But Fedor never fought in the UFC, so Stipe's number one all-time in the UFC. What do you think? I agree. I, I think it's going to take a win against John Jones, a win against Francis. And we'll talk about this later, but John's making his move to heavyweight. He came out and said that. If is going to hang around for a couple of years, I, I think you're going to see multiple fights with those three guys matched up different ways. So if Stipe can re- retain his belt and defend that title against those guys, you know, two to three times, I, I think that's going to solidify him as he's going to be 1A, 1B with, with Fedor. It's just going to be kind of a different general, you know, generational talent debate, discussion. But, I mean, if he can go out and beat John Jones, who's hands down the best MMA fighter of all time, I, I think he's undeniable. Uh, he he really is. So he he's got a chance here, and if he can, you know, get six, seven, eight title defenses, that's gonna widen the gap. I mean, it's gonna be very, very, very hard for anyone in the UFC heavyweight division to ever touch his title defense record. So yeah, I mean, he's got a chance to become one of the best heavyweights, one of the best fighters of all time. And I still still feel like he flies under the radar. It's crazy. How Stipe just kind of, you know, quietly puts this title run together, and and people still, even in the UFC, I I think does anyone talk about Stipe? Is know a, about Stipe? Does anyone talk about Stipe no, as a top ten crazy. fighter all time? No, nobody does. It's no. nuts. It is nuts, Parker. He is so damn good. He is such a good fighter, and nobody talks about it. I think people talk about like how criminally underrated DC is as a, as a fighter. I mean, look at Stipe. People just sleep on Stipe and he's quietly becoming probably a top five fighter of all time before his career is over. I just, it's pretty amazing. Stipe what he's been Miocic able to do. beat Francis and Ganu. He was in the cage with Francis and Ganu for 25 minutes and he engaged with him and beat him. That has not happened since. It did not happen before that night. It's fucking amazing that he did that. Yeah. And I, I think it's entirely possible that he finishes Francis in the second fight. If he gets through that first minute and a half, two minutes with Francis, it's entirely possible that he takes Francis down and just beats the shit out of him and finishes him. I can totally see him finishing him. And then... The John Jones one is the that's the question that that's the big one, you know I I I really do think he can get past Francis a second time, but that John Jones fight is going to be gigantic, and I could honestly see that being the next trilogy at heavyweight. Um, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to get very very interesting here in the next six months or so at heavyweight. But let's move on to DC. So with the loss, you know obviously DC didn't go out the way he wanted to. And that's kind of the story of his career at this point. But where do you rank DC all-time among heavyweights? And then where do you rank him all-time, you know, with all-time fighters? Heavyweights is tough, right? Because how do you compare Daniel Cormier, someone who's had, what, 
I think he's had 12 fights at heavyweight. Um, yeah. How do you compare him to, like, Alistair Overeem, who has 60 fights? Like, Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. So, like, I, I started to make a list of guys who I think are all-time great heavyweights. And I came up with, we've already talked about it, Fedor and Stipe are above the rest of the crop, in my opinion. Right. And then there were five guys that I think were pretty definitively better than DC as a heavyweight. Minotaro, uh, Antonio Minotaro Noguera, Mirko Krokop, Junior Dos Santos, Fabrizio Verdum, and Cain Velasquez. I all think have definitively better resumes than DC, and I don't really see how yeah. it's arguable. When you look at guys like an Alistair Overeem, it's impossible to compare DC. So I, I have a hard time with that, even though DC has some great wins. I mean, his best wins at heavyweight, Stipe, Josh Barnett, Bigfoot Silva when he beat him. I mean, those are great wins. And then at light heavyweight, the the number one guy is John Jones, and he's untouchable. But here's five guys who I had down as kind of all-time great light heavyweights, at least in the UFC, right? Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, Randy Couture, Mauricio Shogun Hua, and Rashad Evans. I thought were kind of the five best guys. I think DC beats all of those guys in his prime. I think he beats every single one I of those too. guys. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's, that is rarefied air, man. So, like... Is he a top five fighter all time? No, definitely not for me. Is he in the top 10 to 15 fighters all time? I think it's almost unquestionable. And it's such a weird career because we're not going to see another guy start at 30. We're not going to see another heavyweight Grand Prix like we saw in Strike Force. We're probably not going to see another situation like he had with Cain Velasquez where he basically exits heavyweight where he's having success to go down to light heavyweight to avoid his friend. Uh, I just think like it's such it's such a bizarre career and the fact that he was definitively clean his whole career, right? Olympic testing, USADA testing. This guy never took a PED in his life. You know, he was the captain of AKA, which at one point in time had three UFC champions in the three biggest weight classes. And he was the he was the captain. He was the king in AKA like he, you know, and then who he is as a father, as a wrestling coach for Gilroy high school, who he is as a man. I mean, his legacy is extended a commentator way he outside is a phenomenal commentator. And so yeah. for me, I mean, you could put him anywhere from six to 15 in my book. And I'm okay with that. I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I think the heavyweight thing is like, it's a lot of like what could have been. If he stuck to heavyweight his whole career, I think we're having a totally different conversation right now. I think if he decided to be heavyweight the whole whole time, I mean, I I see him being one of the best heavyweights of all time. Because I think he dominates that division. Everyone outside of maybe Kane in his prime and Stipe, you know, and I... I don't know. I, I think that would have been a much different conversation if he decided to stick to heavyweight. But, uh, yeah, heavyweight, I see him in the top ten, you know, all time probably right now. Um, just because the body of work isn't there, like you said. Um, 
Light heavyweight, I think it's undeniable. He's your second best light heavyweight of all time, right behind John Jones. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just kind of, you know, it's kind of an unfortunate career. It's just like, hey, he's, you know, second place, you know, in both both divisions, you know. But still, I mean, elite, very elite, great dude, talented dude. I I think his his career is only going to get better from here. He's just got so many options and opportunities outside of fighting, you know, with commentary, coaching, you know, I could see him starting his own gym, doing stuff like that. Um, good dude, great fighter, you know, phenomenal career. Um, so yeah, totally wish DC the best, you know, moving forward. But, um, yeah, that, that's kind of how I'll remember DC. What were some of your favorite moments, you know, throughout DC's career? You know, it's super corny, but I kind of, I think DC's corniness is what makes him so great. It's like, he's got the belly, he pulls his pants up over his belly button. Like, he's kind of a goofy dude. So I absolutely love, he KOs Stipe in the first round, the longest reigning heavyweight champion who nobody expected him to beat. He goes in there, he knocks him out in the first round, and he goes on this, like, listen to DC, listen to DC rant, and calls out Brock friggin' Lesnar, who's there, who's at the fight, and they have this shoving match in the cage for this fight that never happens. It's so WWE, it's so corny, but it's so perfect for who DC is. That's my favorite moment. I could I could totally see DC making a move to WWE. Couldn't you? I think he's going to. I think he's going to make appearances yeah. on WWE. And you know what, Parker? I'll watch yeah. him. I don't watch pro wrestling, but oh. I would watch Daniel Cormier in pro wrestling. Yeah, 100%. You know, Kane's already over there doing that kind of stuff. You've got the natural rivalry with Brock Lesnar. I could totally see that happening. So um, my favorite moments of DC is just like the tense, just like hatred between him and John Jones. I think that is one of the best rivalries of all time. I don't think we're going to get much better than that. They had so many great moments. Uh, you still there, pussy? At the, yeah. You, that, that is, I went back and watched that a couple weeks ago. That is one of the most evil, just like psychopath moments in MMA history. John Jones is a fucking animal. DC telling him he's going to spit in his face. And John Jones, I will literally kill you. I would literally kill you. So I'll always remember just his rivalry with John Jones. I, I think that's just epic. That's like just true hatred and one of the great rivalries in combat sport history. Um, this, my second favorite moment is DC as a commentator with the call on the Thug Rose knockout of Joanna in the first fight. Thug Rose, I'll never forget Thug that. That's, that's epic. That is so epic. But I, I think you're going to get a lot more of that from DC. And I, I think you're going to see him step into a much larger role as a commentator and kind of become the face of the UFC commentary, you know, in this new ESPN in the era. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to really good things for DC. Um, let's move on to Stipe. For Stipe, I think last week you and I were both kind of on the fence about him maybe getting ready to retire, but it seems like Stipe shut all that down. It seems like he has zero interest in retiring. He wants to keep fighting, keep building his legacy. So he got a new Traeger grill that he's excited about. Team Traeger, let's go. <laughs> so what's next for Stipe? Where do you, if you're Dana White, what do you do? What's the next fight? It has to be Francis Ngannou. 
It has to be. Because here's the thing, Parker. I know you're going to talk about John Jones. I know you're going to say Stipe versus John Jones is a possible fight. It's a thing that you can do. Put John Jones on the shelf. John is expensive. Let him sit. Maximize what you get out of John Jones in the fights that you get him for. Like, Stipe versus John Jones is the exact same thing as Dominic Reyes versus John Jones, too. Let Francis and Stipe fight again. Let them settle this. If Francis wins, like we all think he's going to, then then you force John's hand for Francis versus John, which is the biggest fight the UFC can do right now. If Stipe somehow beats Francis again, then he's a way bigger star than he is now. And then you can book Stipe versus John Jones with Stipe coming off of the Francis win. That's my opinion. I'm with you. I think logically that's the way to go. But Dana's done way, way crazier things. And I, I just don't see anyone in the top five that you match John up with right away. I, John's not going to fight Rosenstroik. I, I think Black Beast would have been acceptable to John, but he, he's not fighting anyone else in that top five. So it's if he's going to heavyweight, he's getting a title shot. But I don't know. You have to you have to kind of put one of them on the bench, Francis or John Jones. And I I don't know. I don't know what De- with what Dana does. I mean, it, it's a tough call because both the guys want to fight like immediately. I think John Jones wants to get in there. Francis has been begging to get in there since he knocked out Rosenstroik. So. It it's gonna be a tough call, and I I don't I honestly don't know what they what they do. I think it's fifty fifty right now with Dana. I got I really two do. fights for you that I intentionally did not put in our show notes because I didn't want to tip you okay. off because I want to get your live reaction to this. Number okay. one, there's a certain man named Anthony Johnson who just re-entered the USADA testing pool. Who I'm so down. I think we could sell a lot of pay-per-views rumble against John Jones at heavyweight. Just saying as little, you could, you could sell, you could sell pay-per-views rumble versus Francis. Imagine that one rumble versus Francis at heavyweight, but rumble said he's coming back down to light heavyweight. He'll go to heavyweight to fight John. I'll tell you that right now. He'll go to heavyweight to fight John. And here's the other one, Parker yeah. that I know you don't like, but we're going to sell a lot of fucking pay-per-views, my don't man. Don't get crazy. John Jones versus Brock Lesnar is a legitimate no. fight that you could make at heavyweight. You could make it, and you could sell a lot of tickets and a lot of pay-per-views. If you want to go Super Freak versus Super Freak, you do Francis versus Brock Lesnar. That's the one. No, because Brock Francis wants to fight Brock John Lesnar. Jones. Brock wants Jones. Brock Lesnar, John Jones, Stipe, Francis... Book it, Dana. I'm da- I'm totally down with that. I'm down with that. I I don't know if it happens, and if it does, I think John just picks picks Brock Lesnar apart. Bad. So I don't know. It, it's gonna. It's about to get very very crazy here. So um, all right. Let's dive into John Jones. John Jones in John Jones fashion. Live tweeting the entire fight, giving his commentary every 30 seconds. And then moments after DC writes his long Instagram post about his retirement, John Jones just one-ups him and announces his move to heavyweight. So, John Jones being John Jones, what would you think of the way he handled that situation? 
Of course he did this, Parker. We could have seen this coming from a mile away. It's like, guess, you know, I want to know something else. Spoiler alert, everybody. MMA fans of the world. Justin Gaethje's fighting Khabib in October. I promise you Conor McGregor's live tweet in that bad boy. I promise you. He's going to be criticizing performances. He's going to call people out. He's going to be tweeting the whole time. That's what stars in this sport do. In 2020, when you're a star in this sport and your division or a division that you're rumored to be entering fights, you talk about it on Twitter the whole fight. This was textbook, John Jones. And you know what? This is why I love the sport. I'm here for it, baby. Let's go. Yeah, John's the best at it. And I think he just had to get that one last just stab in the back of DC on his way out. You know that just chapped DC's ass. So uh, I, I was thoroughly entertained by that. So, all right, Billy, I've got a hot sports opinion here, and I want to get your uh, response to it. So, okay, January 1st. 2021 john jones got that heavyweight belt what are the odds of dc coming out of retirement for a trilogy fight with john jones at heavyweight zero percent zero percent billy i i hate to argue with you here but i see it happening i could totally see it happening john jones goes in there beats stipe miocic stipe knocks out francis DC's coming out of retirement to get that heavyweight belt from John Jones. Come on, Billy. Come on. DC. Don't the only thing La DC's La doing is he's going to the Gilroy Garlic Festival with his newborn baby, my man. That's it. That's it. It's over. He's. It's over. You could see it. You said it yourself. When he got knocked down in the second round of that Stipe fight, that's when Daniel Cormier retired in that moment. That's when he said, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm ready to move on. He's done, man. I love Daniel Cormier. I love the rivalry. I want it to happen, but it's not happening, Parker. Yeah, I think we're a year too late. If we were talking about the same story last year at this time, I th- I think there would be possibility. But man, he's getting up there, and I, I yeah, I don't I don't see it. But I would love to I would love to see it. That would be fucking awesome. So, um, all right, heavyweight trilogy. It. It was great all around. Both guys, hats off to both guys. Stipe, one of the best champions the UFC's ever seen. DC, he's going to go down as one of the best fighters, one of the best guys to ever do it. So, uh, all right, let's move on. Let's move on to some from old guys to young guys. We had Sugar Sean taking on Cheeto Vera. Um, tough break for our guy, Sugar Sean. He got, you know, he looked really sharp early and then. Something happened that leg got injured. To Cheeto Vera's credit, I mean, he was very, very aggressive, capitalized on it. He saw Sean was hurt. You know, when he fell off of that clinch, he went down. He hit him with that big elbow. It looked like Sean had a little bit of a flash knockout. I I was totally fine with the stoppage. I think Herb stepped in there. You know, I think it was justified. You didn't see any, you know... Any Sean, about, Sean could not intelligently yeah. defend himself when Herb stopped. Fighting. Yeah, that's the criteria for stopping a fight. He doesn't need to be out cold. He doesn't need to be covered yeah. up. He doesn't need to stop moving or anything like that. Like he was no longer intelligently defending our, himself. It was a great stoppage by Herb Dean. Great stoppage. I think so. 
I think so too. I had no problem with it. Obviously, I was disappointed in the moment because I'm probably the biggest jock rider of Sugar Sean on the show here. But um, and I was talking all kinds of shit to everyone I was watching the fight with, and I oh that let me down. Let me down, Billy. But anyway, um, what did you make of the fight? It was short, but what did you make of it while it lasted? You know, I thought like prior to the leg injury, I thought it was a very competitive fight. I thought Sean was maybe maybe getting a little bit better of the two exchanges, but uh, I thought in general it was very even. It was setting up to kind of be a banger, in my opinion. Like Cheeto was game, man. He's he's always game too. That guy's a really fun guy to watch. Um, and then Sean was his regular self. I mean, he was throwing crazy stuff. He was, you know, he was doing the feints. He was doing the little hip movement that makes him so dangerous. Like, I I loved watching that fight. And you know, it's it's unfortunate, but at the same time, I can't discredit Cheeto Vera because you've seen plenty of guys who whose opponents get hurt, especially with leg injuries, and they just don't pick up on it. They don't realize that the guy's hurt. Vera Cheeto Vera saw it. And went for it. And that kind of killer instinct can carry you a long way as a fighter. And we talked about that last week. He's got that killer instinct. If if you're hurt or if you slip up, he's going for that submission. He's going for ground and pound. He's he's trying to finish the fight any way he can. So, I mean, hats off to Cheeto Vera. I mean, he, he made the best of the situation. The reality is. Um, I don't think Sean loses a lot of steam here. I think this was kind of a freak incident and I, I think he'll be back hopefully he's not though? injured which I, I, we saw it in the andre sukumtop fight like he hurt his he hurt his leg also in that fight like he's he's kind of i don't i don't want to call him injury prone i don't think that's fair but like you see a long skinny guy like that you know cheeto vera you go back and watch the tape he does check the kicks like I think, you know, Cheeto said, like, if you're going to kick with a kicker, you got to be prepared for it. And I'm not saying, like, it was definitive that that broke Sean's leg. But at the same time, like, I can't rule it out either. Like, I I, I can't sit here and tell you, like, it was not caused somehow by Cheeto's defense of those kicks. Like, and, and Sean's just kind of, you know, when you cut that much weight, when you're that tall at that weight class, I don't know, man. I You know, I, I just think, like, you know, once shame on me, twice shame on you kind of thing. And and this is now the second time we've seen him take a leg injury in a fight like that. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I I'm not looking too much into him being injury prone. I I saw this as more of kind of a freak incident and I I remember vividly watching the Michael Chandler versus Brent Premis fight and it I was there right when it happened. It, you were? I was. I was sitting I, 18 I, rows I, up in Madison Square Garden watching that. I'll never forget. I watched that with um, my girlfriend, Leah. We were laying in bed watching it, and she is just, like, about to faint, like, watching how brutal that fight was. And I, I think if Herb Dean let that fight continue, you're having flashbacks to Michael Chandler, just where that, that ankle's just flopping around, you know, aimlessly anytime he tries to put weight and fire off of it. So... I, I was cool with the stoppage, but I, I feel very similar to how I felt watching that Michael Chandler Brent Premise fight. It's just like you got to run that one back. That's something that's out of Sean's control. I mean, he didn't do, you know, I don't think he did anything in particular to make that happen. It just happens, and you see it a lot more, especially with these low calf kicks that are getting so popular. That you saw it with Henry Cejudo. That 
you know, that something happens and that nerve just goes dead. That foot stops working like it goes to sleep and you either go to fight through it or I don't know, just figure out a way to get through it. But it's it's a crazy thing. I, I would like to see these guys run it back. I think the matchup is just so close and it's a, a really big proving ground for their spot in the bantamweight division. And I just don't feel I don't feel comfortable with saying, yeah, Cheeto Vera is way better than Sugar Sean O'Malley. He should move up in the rankings. I, I still see the the this is the matchup that's got to happen to move these guys to the next level. So uh, let's get into the actual injury. Do you think that Cheeto Vera caused injury by checking kicks? Because I, I saw it a little bit different, but I'll, I'll let you explain what you saw first, and then I'll tell you what I saw. So there's a moment at, I think, I think it's like one minute and 46 seconds into the first round where Sean kicks, goes to calf kick Cheeto and he checks it. And then that knee kind of like buckles right after the check kick. And I'm not saying that that definitively caused it, right? Because if that was the case, every single Muay Thai and kickboxing fight ever would end in someone having a broken leg. And obviously they don't. So I'm not saying that it definitively happened, but I'm also not ruling it out. I'm saying it's very possible that that caused the injury. Obviously, we now know that Sean's had no bone damage. If he if you know, we don't have the MRI yet, but um, you know, it's going to be a ligament issue is is the guess, which you know, could have resulted from some sort of non-contact injury because at you know, 2 minutes or so into that fight like Sean kind of does this weird slip in the middle of the octagon where it looks like the knee kind of buckles in like a non-contact injury, which could be like an ACL or an MCL, something like that. So that so so that's what I thought it was originally. Um, Cheeto Vera kicked him, and it looked like from the camera angle it was like just below the kneecap, but it it looked like when it happened, I said that's a that's a knee injury because he kicked him there immediately after that. Sean tried to load up for a shot, and it did look like his knee kind of gave out. And I'm like, oh fuck, that's a torn ACL. And then it continued on, and it ended up being more in the ankle. So I don't know if he hit like around that IT band or something, and it just deadened the foot. But it was bizarre. I mean, once again. You can't take anything away from Cheeto Vera. He's in there to win the fight. You know, he's going to do whatever he has to do to win that fight. Injury or no, no injury. So, I don't know. I, I just think it's one of those fights that if Sean's healthy, I, I don't see any reason not to run that back for both guys. You know, I, I think for Cheeto Vera, if he can get another solid win against Sean O'Malley, that's huge for his stock. I want to see and it breathe a little bit, though. Yeah. I want to see it breathe. I, I do. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't need to see that right now. And if Sean's got ligament damage in his knee, I don't need to see it right now. I just don't like, do you think it's his knee or his like ankle area? I, I, I agree with you. I think it's the knee. I do think it's the knee, which is kind of against the check kick theory, right? Like it makes it seem like it was kind of this, you know, freak happening, but I, I, you know, if she's going to be out, like, Cheeto Vera's won six of seven in the bantamweight division. And, you know, his one loss to Song Yudong, I think we were both in agreement that he won that fight. Yeah. Um, Seven in a row at 135 is very impressive. Um, It's almost like Cheeto Vera kind of reminds me of like a Leon Edwards of 135. Um, Yeah. 
So, I, I, you know, if Cheeto's healthy and Sean's hurt, I, I don't need to see that immediately, right? I'll let Cheeto get yeah. a couple more fights in. And, you know, if he's ahead of Sean when the time comes for Sean to come back, then we don't need to run it back, right? Like, I, I just don't need to see it. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those fights where, where the heat's there and there's a lot of there's a, a lot of uncertainty about that fight. It's like if that fight, I don't know, if the fight went on, maybe Sean recovers and the leg comes back and he picks Cheeto apart. You know, if that never happened, I think you and I both agree, even after watching that fight, I think Sean knocks him out. So I don't know. I still feel like Sean's a better fighter. Um, I would like, I think that's just a proving ground between those two guys because I think they're, both of them are right there at the top 10 and one of them has to make a statement to take a big jump forward. And I just don't. I don't feel totally comfortable with the statement that Cheeto made, but it is what it is. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, so let's move on to talk a little more about Sean. Um, do you have any concerns about him being injury prone? He's still a young guy. We've seen him suffer you know, multiple injuries. He's had a lot of change to his body since he came into the UFC. He's put a lot of muscle on, and he's still cutting you know quite a bit of weight to make 135. So... What, if any, concerns do you have moving forward, you know, about injuries revolving revolving around Sean? I'm, I'm always nervous with guys like him who are tall, lanky, clearly cut a lot of weight. Um, I, 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 that always worries me, right? Like, I always worry what he's doing to his body. And, like, you know, I just wonder if he's, like, too skinny for 135, right? Like... Uh, it's it's a question that I have, and now that we've seen him kind of have two leg injuries and in two fights, I just it's it would be na- you know it'd be weird for me not to have concerns. Am I calling him injury prone or saying he's definitively injury prone? No, but is it possible? Yes, I definitely think it's possible. Yeah. I- I don't. I I still think it's a little early. I mean, it's it's early in his career. Everyone takes on injuries. It's a brutal sport. So, I think time will kind of tell um, with Sean. You know, and I I do think eventually he'll move up to 145. I think he's just going to grow into that frame. Maybe even up into 150. I think he's like 5'10". So he can put on you know some bulk and move up into those divisions as he gets older. But um, yeah, I. I'm not going to put a lot of stock in it, you know. So let's um, let's move on here. What I'll ask you one more thing about the uh, – a couple more things on the Sugar Sean. What did you think about the promo that ESPN did comparing him to Luca and Lamar Jackson? Very weird, man, because, look, yeah. the Luca and Lamar Jacksons don't happen in MMA. It's not possible, right? Like – Luca and Lamar Jackson play the absolute best guys in their sport every week. Like, they have yeah. to. That's how the sport works. That doesn't happen in MMA. So it's very weird. And, like, look, I love Stephen A. Smith. I, I think he's super entertaining. I, I think he's great that he's involved in the sport. That guy doesn't know shit about MMA. He just doesn't. He's there yeah, for we entertainment. We established that months ago. Yeah. All right. So, um, real quick, what are your – who would you – match up Cheeto Vera next with and who would you match up Sugar Sean with next so for Cheeto I love the Rafael Asuncao fight I think uh Asuncao's ranked eighth right now Cheeto's ranked I think 13th um 
And a Suns house coming off a loss. Cheeto's coming off a win. To me, it's like a prove it fight for both guys. Again, like, you know, is a Suns house still a top 15 guy? Is Cheeto ready to move into the top 10? That's where I think they're at. And then for Sean, Marab Divalishvili keeps asking for him. I'm kind of sitting there like, why not? I mean, the guy comes forward the whole time. I think Sean could kind of pick him apart or he gets wrestled. I don't know. I want to see Sean Dom Reyes. That's what I – or Dom, Dom Reyes. Dominic Cruz. I do not want to I see Sean fight Dom Reyes. I can be very clear <laughs> on that. I, I don't want to see that either. Dom Cruz versus Sean O'Malley. I, I look at that as like Israel, Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva. I think it's a similar matchup. It's a fun matchup. It's a safer fight for Sean. I think it's a winnable fight right now for Sean. Yeah, so that's what I want to see next. Hopefully he's all good, and hopefully he's got no serious injuries. But um, anyway, no no real step back for any of these guys. You know, I think they're both going to be fine in their career. But um, all right, let's move on. So JDS versus Rosenstroik. Um, another vicious KO for Biggie Boy. Um I thought he looked great here. This was a fun fight. This was kind of a edgy classic, or, uh, edgy classic uh, JDS fight, right? Where he wins the first round, only get viciously knocked yeah. out in the second. Yeah, I was with everyone I was sitting with. I was like, "All right, we got in the second round. I'm like, someone's going to sleep shortly. Just fucking keep your eyes on the TV." So, uh, yeah, another big win for Biggie Boy. Uh, what do you see being next for him? I like him against the winner of Overeem against Augusto Sakai. I think we both agree that I think uh, Alistair Overeem kind of got screwed over by the stoppage in that fight. Um, So I'd like to see Overeem get revenge. And if Augusto Sakai beats Alistair Overeem, I mean, he deserves a top five matchup, right? He'd be an undefeated heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then for Overeem, we've talked about this at length before, but if if Overeem beats Sakai and then could beat Biggie Boy again, Overeem's right back in title contention. <laughs> you could make a John Jones versus Overeem fight. That would be fucking wild. But, um, yeah, big fights for Biggie Boy. I, I was hoping they would book the Derek Lewis fight, um, but they booked Derek Lewis versus Blades, which I... We talked about last week. I I don't like that matchup, but it kind of is what it is. I guess you I'm telling you, Curtis just, you know, Blades keeps his five. chin up in the air. Derek Lewis is putting Curtis Blades to sleep. Yeah, see the two Francis and Ganu fights. So, um, all right, Billy. Any other um, standouts from that card? I got a shout out, Verna Jandaroba. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but dismantled that and submitted Felice good. Herrick. Right? I mean, that's super impressive. Herrig, I mean, has been kind of a mainstay in the top 15, and John DeRoba just took her apart. Yeah. All right, let's – real quick, this is Billy's Hardcore. We're going to have a Billy's Hardcore about three minutes. He's going to talk about the Contender Series and then also about Bellator 244. Billy, get into it. So I just want to highlight from the Contender Series, um, Josh Parisian, man. I mean, tough 28 contestant. Loses in the first round, comes back, wins six straight. This was his second appearance on the Contender Series. Finally gets a, a contract. I mean, that guy rocks, man. You talk about Fat Boy MMA. That guy is freaking awesome. And then he is skilled, though. He's super skilled. Yes. And then a little sneak preview for the fans of Parker's MMA show. I think, uh, at least one of the Koske brothers could be uh, 
headed our way for a little interview action. Hell yeah. Yeah, I really I I I love that card start to finish. There was the one fight that kind of sucked, but the girl fight was awesome. Oh my god. That girl Cheyenne is a fucking Boys. animal at one Yes, at 115, she's going to be a fucking animal. And then you have these two kind of the Indian reservation version of the Diaz brothers emerging through the Dana White contender series out of alpha male. Both of those guys look fucking phenomenal. Just tough guys that come forward, want to throw down. Uh, O'Ryan, who's going to come on the show on Tuesday, got a late finish where he ended up just breaking that guy that was super, super talented. And then his brother was in the main event and viciously KO'd a dude. So, those two brothers, it's, they're a great story, and we're going to hear a lot about it on Tuesday, about their story. But, yeah, watch out for those guys. That was that was awesome. I really enjoyed the Tuesday night show. So, um, all right, Billy, let's move on to Bellator this weekend. Yeah, man. So, I mean, the headliner, Ryan Bader against Vadim Nemkov. My question for you, Parker, is where do you put the – like, John Jones is moving up to heavyweight. Daniel Cormier is retired. Like, is this fight – could we consider this the winner of this fight the best light heavyweight in the world, or at least in the conversation? Because I'm kind of leaning that way. You look at the top five in the world, your top three, you got Dominic Reyes, Tiago Santos, Anthony Smith. Um, man, I, I think Ryan Bader beats all of them right now. You know, I, I don't know a lot about this Nimkov guy. You speak highly of him. We'll see. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I think with John Jones going to heavyweight, DC retiring, Ryan Bader's one of your best light heavyweights on the planet. So, yeah, I would definitely tune in this weekend to watch him fight in Bellator. He's been on a just awesome run. And then a uh, little side note, Billy, your guy, Yuri Prohoski, Prohaska, is number seven in the rankings right now in the world. That came out of nowhere. So keep an eye on that. And I, hey, it I didn't come out of nowhere for me, pal. Smith. I've been following this guy for years. I know, since Ryzen. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, light heavyweight's a little thin right now. But there's, a, a, you know, the top five to seven is pretty fun. So, um, yeah, Ryan Bader back in action this week. Um, so... Corey Anderson, I think it was last month, made the announcement that he was moving on to Bellator. Um, do you see him getting the next title shot against the winner here? So I have heard that Corey Anderson is going to make his debut in October, and it won't be for the title. So he will get a fight before the title. My guess is it'll be Phil Davis. Vadim Nemkov has beaten Phil Davis, who, when he left the UFC, was a top five light heavyweight in the world. You know, Nemkov is a Team Fedor guy. He's got big wins over guys like Phil Davis, Liam McGeary, um, you know, vicious, vicious leg kicker, vicious. I mean, like really like, like broke Liam McGeary's tibia, I think, uh, kicking his legs. Um, I think those three guys with Corey Anderson there, I mean, they're kind of going to duke it out for this light heavyweight supremacy. And for me, it's hard to separate the light heavyweight division in the UFC from the light heavyweight division in Bellator. I think, you know, at least at the top, those they're very close. So uh, I pick Bader to beat both guys, but um, I, I'm, I'm very excited by what's going on with light heavyweight in Bellator. All right. Any other fights you want to cover on the Bellator card this weekend? I just want to say I, I, one of my personal favorite fighters ever, Roy Big Country Nelson. Uh, fighting against Valentin Moldovsky, another Team Fedor guy. Uh, 
I think this could be Roy Nelson's last fight. So if you like me, like seeing a fat guy with a mullet swing hammers in a cage, uh, he's 44 years old. He's lost four straight, five of his last six. I think this could be it for big country. So this is kind of the swan song for me. So I'll be looking for that as well. All right. Um, let's move on. USC is back in action this week. We've got Frankie Edgar taking on Pedro Munoz. Um, let's get into this fight. So Frankie Edgar is moving down to 135, making his debut. Pedro Munoz is coming off a loss to Aljamain Sterling. Um, what do you make of this fight at 135? Classic striker versus grappler, right? I mean, Pedro Munoz is a heavy hitter. He's, he's really a boxer. Uh, he likes to throw hands. Frankie Edgar... For all his, you know, he's a great striker at this point in his MMA career, but his base is wrestling. I mean, he, he's a grappler at heart, and I'd like to see him get back to this, uh, to his wrestling base in this fight, just because I'm worried about him getting knocked out against someone like Munoz who hits that hard. Yeah, and I mean, to me, in his last fight, although he was fighting Korean Zombie, who you and I both agree is probably one of the best 145ers the in the best world. The best 145er. Yeah, he just looked he looked a step behind. He looked slow. He looked a little older. So I'll be interested to see how the weight change affects Frankie here. Um, Obviously, Frankie Edgar, uh, we're big Frankie Edgar fans. So, you know, I I hope he can find a late resurgence in this weight class, because if you throw him in there in the top 10, um, there's just a lot of fun matchups you can make in an already stacked division. So, um, yeah, so for Frankie Edgar, what what do you think his odds are of making a run here at the Bantamweight title this late in his career? I just think Bantamweight is too deep. I just think it's too deep. I do too. Like, he clearly is not beating Jose Aldo. I don't think he's beating Cody Garbrandt. I don't think he's beating Aljo. I don't think he's beating Piotr Jan. Uh, you know, Sanhagen might be a toss-up just because I think it's a good matchup for Frankie. But, I mean, all of those guys, I I really struggle to see a path to victory for Frankie. And when there's that many guys in your way, it's hard to win a title. It's hard to win a title anyway, but it's really hard to win a title with that many guys. Well, it's deep and it's young. It's very, very young. Um, The positive thing for Frankie is there's a couple good old guy fights in there. You've got um, Jose Aldo still hanging around, Dominic Cruz, Uriah Faber. So... There's a couple good old guy fights if he can't get it done this weekend against Munoz. So, um, yeah, but I'll be interested to see how this shakes out. So, um, give me the how-to win this weekend for both of these guys. Pedro Munoz has got to make this a brawl. He makes this a brawl. I mean, if, if he makes this a brawl like he did against Cody Garbrandt, Frankie's going to sleep a lot faster than Cody. Frankie does not have Cody's hands, and he does not have Cody's chin either. Um Frankie's got to make this a technical fight. It's got to be stick and move. It's got to be, you know, faint, faint going upstairs with the jab or the two and then, you know, shoot the takedown, get this fight to the mat. It's got to be really technical. If Frankie Edgar's winning this fight or doing well in this fight, it's probably really boring, honestly. Like, that's how Frankie's going to come away with a victory. And if you're a Frankie Edgar fan, I think this is going to be a really tense watch. I think you're going to be sitting there on the edge of your seat thinking this guy's going to get knocked out the whole time because the fact of the matter is when that bell rings at the beginning of every round and they have a chance to meet in the middle of the octagon and just throw hands, that every single punch that gets landed could knock Frankie out, honestly. 
I totally agree. That's exactly how I feel. Uh, for me, I agree. Frankie's got to work the wrestling. He's got to get this fight to the ground, make it a boring fight, try to hold Pedro Munoz down, take him to deep waters, tire him out, use his ground and pound on the feet. He's got to be just safe. I mean, he can't rush in, try to brawl with, with Pedro Munoz. He's going to get knocked out. Um, so stick and move, stick and move, work his, work his wrestling, work some clinch game. Try to just close the gap and stay as safe as possible. And honestly, I think the best path to victory here for Frankie is to try to grind out a decision. I really do. Um, I think if not, he's getting knocked out. So, Billy, give me your predictions here. I got Munoz winning by KO in round two. I think he'll be, I think he'll give Frankie some respect early and I think he'll try and get a read on him. And then I think he'll go for it in the second round. All right. Um, you want to skip ahead to current events and get out of here? Let's do it. Shout right, out Alonzo so Menafield though. Love Alonzo Menafield. Yeah. Yeah. Tune into that fight. That'll be a fun one. But, um, all right. Adesanya versus Costa got booked. Um, I watched the the heavyweight fight this weekend with a bunch of casual fans that never watch MMA. I was at Leah's aunt's house, and everyone there was so hyped to watch the Costa versus Adesanya fight after the promotions they did throughout the card. I had literally probably 10 different people from the weekend text me, hey, when's that fight again? When's that fight again? Um, what are your initial thoughts on the matchup? And let's talk about some early predictions. I don't think there's a middleweight on the planet that could be Israel Adesanya right now. I think he's that good. Robert Robert Whitaker says, "Hold my beer." Israel hold, Adesanya hold my knocked out Robert Whitaker in the second round in front of fifty. He's coming 000 back, people. Billy. He's coming back, Billy. Don't sleep on Robert Whitaker on this show. Don't you dare. I think Costa is like a younger, worse version of Yoel Romero, who just comes forward, like. Throws wild hooks, throws big shots. I mean, he's huge for the division, right? But Israel is so crafty. I just don't see any way that he loses to Paulo Costa. Yeah, I heard Dan Hardy talking about it, and he's like, Paulo Costa's striking is is basic at best, like elementary at best. He's just coming forward and trying to just throw bombs on you with basic striking. I agree with you. I, I think coming off the Yoel Romero fight, this is the absolute best matchup that the UFC could make for Israel Adesanya. It's going to be a tense buildup, you know, leading up to the fight. Paulo's going to come forward. He's going to try to smash him. And I think Israel Adesanya is, he's going to look like Anderson Silva in this fight. He's going to pick Paulo Costa apart. And I, I see a finish in this fight. I see him finishing Paulo Costa. And I think his stardom's going to continue to rise. And he's going to do all this with pink hair, Billy. So get your mind right. Get ready. Um, that's coming September 26th. So not not long. A month away where we're going to be getting into that fight. So, um, yeah, super pumped for that one. And then the next one that got booked was Dominic Reyes versus Jan Blahovich, which I assume is going to be for the light heavyweight title. Yes. Right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So um, great matchup. Great matchup there. Obviously, Jan Blahovic has been on a freaking terror, just knocking people out. Um, but Dominic Reyes, I mean, went five rounds with the best MMA fighter of all time. And you and I both think that was a very, very close fight that could have went either way. Um, so give me your early thoughts and predictions on this fight. This is, I mean, it's two strikers, but this is speed versus power, right? I mean, Dom Reyes is 
very fast for that division. He has really creative striking, in my opinion, for someone who hasn't been doing martial arts his whole life. Um, Jan Blahovich hits like a damn truck. And as we saw in the John Jones fight, Dom Reyes is hittable. If nothing else, he's hittable. And one one punch from Jan Blahovich can change your whole night. I see this as a really tough fight to call because while Dom is probably the better technician, one that one punch, Jan Blahovich lands that right hand on your chin. You're going to sleep, my man. And that's not happening with John Jones. Like that, it's a very different fight for Dom Reyes. So don't be fooled by how close it was against John Jones because Dom Reyes could very easily get knocked out by Jan Blahovich. Shout out KSW, by the way. As always. All right. Well, we'll get into all those those fights down the road. Um, Billy, we hit an hour, an hour and four seconds officially. You can't get much more professional than Parker's MMA show. <laughs> so um, episode 45, Billy, we're on our way to 50. Any closing words for you? Can we can we book Anderson Silva and some more fun fights, please? I mean, we gave you guys Mick Maynard, Sean Shelby. We gave you guys so many ideas for where to book Anderson Silva, and you put him against Uriah Hall. I mean, please, come on. You know, let the guy live. What's wrong with that? He's 45 years old. I don't want to see Anderson Silva sleeping on the canvas. I want to see like like he had against Adesanya. I want to see him revenge against Chris Weidman. I don't want to see him against Uriah Hall, who's an absolute maniac with dynamite in his gloves. Hot sports opinion. Anderson Silva finishes Uriah Hall. Wow. Wow, you did not just say that. Bold, bold play, bold play. That's coming up too. What card is that on? I think that's on that same twenty. The card on the twenty sixth. Okay, sweet. All right. Well, another solid episode of Parker's MMA show. We're gonna episode forty six <laughs> is gonna be us discussing Anderson Silva versus Uriah Hall for an hour. No, episode forty six. We're bringing on the uh, new version of Nick and Nate Diaz. <laughs> Come on, what are you doing? Okay, forty seven. We talk about Anderson Silva versus Uriah Hall. Then, all right. Anyway, Tuesday we'll be back with a banging interview. So everyone, tune in. We appreciate the continued support. Me and Billy will keep bringing the hot uh, MMA takes. Billy, get us out of here. Hey. We didn't even discuss Ryzen. I'm going to quit the podcast. Billy's going to find an Asian co-host that will discuss Ryzen weekly with him. Billy's going to take on a second job. Ryzen analyst here in the U.S. All right, signing off. Japanese MMA, Russian MMA, UFC, Bellator. We got it all. Parker's MMA show. KSW. (laughs) Until next time. Adios. Texas Trees is the premier tree care company in the DFW area. Whether you need basic maintenance or specialized services, when it comes to trees, we've got you covered. Pruning, chipping, bracing, and cabling, even root barriers and disease control, we do it all. And if you aren't sure what you need, we have certified arborists on staff to point you in the right direction. Visit us at NorthTexasTrees.net. That's NorthTexasTrees.net. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. 
take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit Parker Keen's MMA show.podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.